This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Witness Docs from Stitcher. This is an historic time. This could be the next 1918 pandemic. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? Are you isolating yourself? Who do you count on? It's actually to protect you. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series that brings you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic to keep you informed, prepared, and calm. We're all in this together, my friends. And these days, it isn't so easy to stay calm. There's a deadly virus out there to worry about, and many of us are facing serious financial worries. Meanwhile, we're cut off from our friends and family, or maybe we're a little too close to our friends and family, if you know what I'm saying. So we see the signs of stress all around us. The day after Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced social distancing measures in the UK, researchers surveyed 2,000 people and found a 20% increase in people reporting symptoms of anxiety and depression. So my neighbors have been obsessively wiping with alcohol their packages and leaving their stuff out in the sun for days at a time. They're doing things that they never used to do. So could the COVID-19 pandemic leave us with a psychological pandemic? Well, to get some answers to questions like that, today we're talking with Dr. Olivia Fisher. She's an expert in mental health, depression, and anxiety at the Queensland University of Technology School of Public Health in Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to Science Rules, Dr. Fisher. Olivia, if I may call you that. Absolutely. Thanks for um, inviting me to come and speak with you, Bill. So people are getting anxious. Everybody's getting anxious. Can you tell, are there signs for you and your business of people's anxiety or depression or stress level? Uh, yes, I think. Um, just the way you inhaled right there, just the, well, <laughs> that right there. <laughs> Look, we're seeing it everywhere. And I think there's so much uncertainty and people are really feeling that there's they're surrounded by threat right now, you know, and it's an invisible threat. So, of course, we're all feeling more anxious at the moment than usual. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of people um, around me talking about 
anxiety and how we're all going to get through this. So, you know, along this line here at Science Rules, we take uh, listener questions, listener comments by voicemail, a technology you may remember. <laughs> and uh, we have, I think, uh, a very relevant one just to, just to kick us off here. Uh, roll that digital recording. Hi, Bill and Corey. Uh, first of all, I'm a huge fan of science roles. I listen often. I am a registered nurse um, in an ICU here in rural Pennsylvania. But my biggest concern and one of my biggest worries is uh, how this is going to, this is currently affecting mental health and how it will continue to affect mental health uh, down the road uh, and just kind of how we as people should view what's going on and maybe how we can help others. Well, there you go. Uh Tell us about it. <laughs> How do we know we've got mass depression? What's going on? Well, okay, the first thing that I would like to really just make super clear is that this is, we're all in the world, across the world, going through something that we have never experienced before. Um, we've had other pandemics, but um, but not on this scale and in this way. Um, and so feeling anxious and um, feeling depressed, feeling, you know, having these sorts of emotions at the moment is actually 100% normal in this context. Oh, so you we know? should relax, everybody. That's It's normal. <laughs> Everything's cool. <sighs> Look, I think, um, here, yeah, the least helpful thing you can do to someone who's anxious is to say, just relax. Calm down, um, man. <laughs> but I think it's important that um, we're normalising what we're all going through right now and whether or not this is with this has potential to turn to a much bigger long-term problem um right now we're all okay you know we're all actually responding normally to this horrendous situation that we're finding ourselves in around the globe we're, we're all okay if we're okay i mean if you have a family member who's in distress or if you're yourself or looking at looming death, uh, you're mm. probably not, I, but I know what you're driving at. Most of us who are quarantined are cool. I mean, we're cool. Yeah. And even, you know, when we're talking about diagnosis of a mental disorder, you actually look at um, whether or not the symptoms that a person is experiencing are in proportion with the life events that they're going through. So there's often talk about grief and depression. They look very similar, but they're not the same thing. There is the likelihood of having a spike in mental health problems down the track, but the research that you were talking about that was that was published in The Guardian just recently looking at, you know, depression and anxiety symptoms before and after the shutdown of the UK, I think it's problematic trying to diagnose people with depression or anxiety in the context that we're talking about, um, in part because it's not something you diagnose on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, you don't sort of look at somebody and say, you're experiencing severe distress, therefore you have anxiety. So we treat the symptoms as they come up. We manage the symptoms as they come up. But um, whether or not we're about to see a massive pandemic of mental health problems is another um, question entirely. And I think there's a really good likelihood that we all cope 
We might not be coping immediately, but we will learn to cope. And the vast majority of people are not going to end up with a mental disorder because we learn new ways to cope. We, we look at our surroundings and go, how do I get creative here? What is it about a pandemic that makes people so anxious? Is it a lack of control? Lack of control, lack of certainty. There's a lot of things that are, that are going on at the moment where our normal ways of coping when we go through, because we all go through stressful life experiences, right? We've all changed jobs, you know, got married, um, moved city, all the different stressful life experiences that we go through. We um, have coping strategies that we use in our day-to-day life to get through that. And what the the stay-at-home um, process with COVID has done is take away a lot of those coping strategies that we're used to using and that we're really familiar with. So, For example, for example, yeah. So, yeah, for example, we can't go and spend time with friends. You can't necessarily go and visit family or take a holiday or um, go to the gym or even go to a movie, to a cinema. All the things that we're used to being able to do without even thinking about it, all of a sudden we can't do things in the same way. And then for a lot of people who have lost work, there's a loss of that sense of identity, that sense of purpose, all the things that go along with feeling that you're belonging in a workplace and you're doing something productive on a day-to-day basis. So all of those normal coping strategies all of a sudden have just been wiped out. So that's where, yeah, we are at a time of definite risk um, for developing health problems. Yeah. Uh, so can you tell? I mean, how do we how do we know that people are suffering? And then, of course... Does that tell us what to do about it? Yeah. It turns out that different generations actually have different predictors for depression really? and anxiety. Yeah. Really? In, um, we, I want to do a much bigger version of it with more generations, but in the 16 to 25, like the millennials group, um, belonging was number one followed by accomplishment and pessimism. And in the sort of Gen X, the sort of 40s to 60 age group, um, it was accomplishment was by far the strongest followed by belonging and then um, expressive suppressions are holding your feelings in. Oh, wow. That's the biggest risk. Yeah. There's a lot of different signs that we're going to start seeing. Depression often shows itself more as fatigue, people with increased or decreased appetite, feelings of worthlessness, excessive guilt, it's it's difficult sometimes to actually see that at the moment if everyone's locked in their houses. Anxiety, I think, plays out a little bit differently. We're seeing people obsessively checking online all the time. Uh, a lot of the things that you'll see where people are running away from each other, people are um, refusing to acknowledge each other in the street at times, a lot of that can be related to anxiety around transmission, um, but also anxiety just sort of spirals over time um, if we don't keep it under control. The frustration that you're talking about, we also see a lot of frustration and anger and and those sorts of things when we're not coping as well. Um, So again, they're normal human emotions. They may not um, necessarily be part of a mental disorder, but um, relate most likely to our inability to use our regular coping strategies and do the things that we would normally do in our day-to-day lives to be able to get through. So what is it that's missing and is there a way that we can put the missing things back? 
yes, that's the good news. There's a lot of different coping strategies that we can use in our day-to-day lives while we're staying at home. Um, And I actually think that it's a really good idea to create a list for yourself. So we're all a little bit different and how, you know, what works for each of us is a little bit different. So you've got to have your own list. And um, (laughs) doctor, I am Mr. List. I have lists of lists. I am all about to-do lists. Oh, goodness. Oh, all right. Goodness. Well, this well, is your coping strategy. And you strategy can see I'm it. fine. Oh, I'm just fine. <laughs> no, so um, before we start right. the podcast, before we start these things, I have a list of 21 items I execute just before we even start this. Because <laughs> uh, I guess because it gives a sense of control. I mean, one of the things on the list is start the recording. Another thing is save the recording. Another one is give the recording a title, you know, things like that. But you're talking about, about something bigger. Actually, what you've just said is one of the things on my list that I'm going to give you this list of things that you want to create a list of, um, and being productive. So just a second, um, I got to make a list of this. this. (laughs) Go ahead. So accomplishment, um, so there's new research that my team have just been working on at QUT where we've been um, actually really surprised to find just how strong the relationship between having a regular sense of accomplishment and low levels of depression and anxiety symptoms and high levels of mental well-being is. So when you have that to-do list and you tick things off, you get that sense of accomplishment, right? You've got, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. That is you doing something really positive for your mental health. Um, so obviously being productive and having a sense of accomplishment is one of the big things on the list. The other really um, big one is social belonging and connectedness. Belonging is absolutely fundamental to our mental health. And this seems to be across the lifespan, maintaining a sense of connectedness. And I think it's really important there to remember that people who are feeling anxious, people who are starting to feel depressed, are unlikely, less likely to be reaching out. So we need to actually make the effort to reach out to other people. We'll be back right after this. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. 
We see a threat and, you know, it used to be we hear a tiger in the bushes or something, you know, depending on what country you're in. I hear a kangaroo in the bushes, you know, so you immediately go (gasps) and you turn around and your muscles react, your cognitive reactions, you've got visual reactions, you've got auditory reactions, like all of your symptoms, your blood literally goes from your internal organs into your into your muscles to like, it's a physical reaction. That's what anxiety is. That's what it's supposed to be there for. It's preparing us for fight and flight. What's changed over time is that the things that we perceive as threats are very different now. It could be an email from your boss. It could be, um, you know, you hit too many red lights on the way to work. So you're going to be late for work. You know, whatever, whatever that is. So we're still having the same physiological reaction but to a very different sort of thing. So we're not going to fight it. We're not going to run away from it, you know. Um, so that's one of the reasons why exercise is, is so important because it actually does something physical to get to change that. But that's why anxiety, we say, is really, really normal because, of course, you're not sleeping very well because you're heightened all the time. Everything's heightened. And, you know, it's very difficult to sit still and you're obsessively checking because you're looking at the threat. You're looking, looking, looking to see where is the threat, what is it doing now. So this is, yeah. That's what anxiety is and that's what what we're supposed to do from an evolutionary perspective. That's why doing something makes you feel better because um, if you're anxious and you can do something, you can actually reduce the symptoms. The other things on my list of coping strategies, sleep. I'm the kind of person who thrives if I can get nine hours. You know, I can survive on seven, but I thrive on nine. So I think it's a good idea to know what actually works for you with sleep food, um, you know, trying to... Try not to eat too much while you're home, just eating and ordering food and cooking. I've been the other way around. I've been, you know, getting to 11 or 12 o'clock in the morning and I've been up since six and I've forgotten to eat anything. Um, Oh, oh, doctor, doctor, doctor. I can't say (laughs) enough good things. No, it goes both ways. You know, having having a routine is really important, particularly around food. Um, exercise is actually one of the best strategies for um, for reducing mild level depression symptoms. So, wow. hey, I've got up. it going on. Every day I go for a walk. Do you guys still use yep. miles in Australia for about four we miles? Do maybe not, but yeah, <laughs> seven or eight kilometers. Uh, Seminar, well, that's work. that's a good walk. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I see a lot of people uh, walking, and here in Los Angeles, people are taking physical social distancing very seriously. We literally cross the street to avoid each other because there's no cars. You just walk wherever mm-hmm. you want. And then I make a point of saying hi to people from a distance, mind you. I mean, even if the most aggressive, fluid mechanical spitting. I think at 10 meters, we're, we're pretty good. And so <laughs> I think uh, you're probably all right. So I recommend that to people. I mean, I'm not sort of, I'm not at your level, but I'm just listening to what you're saying. Getting enough sleep is huge. Yeah. But let me ask you, sense of accomplishment and sense of yeah. belonging. This takes me right away to my good friend, Thomas, the tank engine. Do you know him? Love Thomas. Yeah, because what is his, everybody, what does Thomas want to be? He wants to be a useful engine. And when you feel like you're useful, that's when, that's when you feel good. Yeah, a hundred percent. 
So uh, do you have any recommendations for people to feel useful? Like, do, is, are these Zoom calls a way of connecting? Is it a sign of our resilience? Yeah, I think that's that's a very direct sign of our adaptation, you know, sort of going, I need social connection, I need to feel productive, I'm going to Zoom people instead of having a face-to-face um, conversation. I think with accomplishment, one of the things that we need to do is actually adapt what we think of as an accomplishment. Um, so, you know, this idea of being productive, if, if you're not working... Are you, are you talking about whatever. vacuuming? Vacuuming. Absolutely. Because that's huge vacuuming. for me. I did some vacuuming this morning. I, not some. I did a lot of vacuuming this morning. And I, I, felt, I felt great. As you say, vacuuming, you know, getting up and doing the dishes and acknowledging, yeah, I did that. You know, remembering to wash your hair sometimes can be an accomplishment. And I know a lot of people who have been saying that to get themselves into the mode of being productive, they're doing things like putting on clothes that they would normally wear out you know, doing their hair or makeup or, you know, putting shoes on, things like that to just change the mindset from I'm sitting at home in my pyjamas to, which is a great mindset. I've got nothing wrong with that mindset, but, you know, <laughs> changing it into a mindset of I'm going to do something productive now. I've, um, I've started a vegetable garden out the, out the back and I'm basically getting whatever I have. So if it's a strawberry, I'll squeeze the strawberry seeds in the garden. If it's a capsicum, I'll squeeze the capsicum seeds in the garden, you know, and just try and see what I can get to grow. If anything will actually grow in there. This is all good, but I'm just concerned. I won't Mm -hmm. say I'm anxious. I'm concerned (laughs) that um, it's easy to say these things. Uh, You should shave every day. You should get enough sleep. Or uh, we strongly recommend that you have a regular schedule. But isn't part of the problem, you referred to um, the spiral. When you don't yeah. do one thing, it leads to another thing, it leads to another thing. Yeah. I think we need to be really kind to ourselves right now. You know, we're still in the very early stages of this. I think, I mean, look, there's lots of different modeling about how long this is going to go on for. I I get a sense of control and a sense of certainty by um, assuming the worst and then planning for that and knowing I can survive it. I know what my supports are if and when I need support. So that's actually really, really important. So if, if I'm not okay and nobody is immune, if I'm not okay, I know where to go to get support and to get help. I know if I get sick that... I can ask people to walk my dog and, um, you know, to help, to help look after, look after me. And I'm not afraid to ask people. And I think that that's, that's really important as part of my coping strategy. You know, my, my parents lived through the great depression here Mm -hmm. in the U S and, uh, um, it affected people of that age, their whole lives, their view of the, of what could go wrong and so on. Is this pandemic going to have the same sort of effect? And um, is that good or bad? Some of those effects were good, you know, frugality, planning, but some of them were, you know, were a little odd. I think that long-term we're going to have both again, as you say. So uh, what is it about, let's let's just recap here. What is it about this pandemic that makes people anxious? Is it a problem that we're anxious? Because it's a normal response, right? 
And then mm -hmm. what can we do about it? And I think it's uh, sleep, accomplish things, making lists to, that you can accomplish and keep in touch with your friends somehow, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So um, what is it? It's, a, it's the uncertainty. It's the sudden change. It's the fact that we're feeling out of control. I think that's the key for why we're having such difficulty with this. Um, you know, and for a lot of people, the very fundamental factor of not knowing when you're going to get, where you're going to find your next meal from. So um, that's reality. That's what we're going through right now. And we, you know, we have to accept that. What's uh, the, in the short term, is it fine to feel anxious? It's absolutely fine to feel anxious about that. It's completely normal. And, you know, I am very much opposed to pathologizing a normal reaction. Uh -huh. So everybody, it just shows you, if you know somebody who's anxious, uh, rather uh, uh, depressed, because his or her anxiety got the better of them, mm -hmm. as the saying goes now, reach out to that person, make, make social contact with that person somehow, not physical contact, not spatial contact, people, social contact, and just I guess reassure that person that he or she is not alone. We're all in this together. Absolutely. If you get nothing else out of this pandemic, is that humans are more alike than they are different. And work out what your local services are now because you need to know if you really do get in trouble, where do you go for help? Do it now. Don't wait until things are really bad. How, Find do you out know, how, how would I know that things are really bad? So um, if, the, if your symptoms of depression or anxiety are starting to affect your ability to function in your day-to-day -day life, if they're getting worse, if they feel overwhelming, and if they are persisting over time more days than not, that's kind of your keys. Is it, is it affecting your function? Is it getting worse? And is it... Um, persisting over time, then that's when you get some help. Don't wait until you're not able to function at all. That's way too late. The, all of the treatments, all the supports are far more effective if you can get in early. So uh, we got this pandemic. What do you want people to keep in mind who are, who are feeling so anxious, they're getting depressed and feel themselves winding down, falling down the rabbit hole of depression? Number one is we are going to come out of this. Number two is humans are incredibly resilient and we will find ways to cope. We will find ways to thrive even in these really dark, difficult days. And um, as a society, we will get through this. Like you said, we got through the Great Depression. We've got through awful, awful things in our human history in the past we're going to get through this as well. Um, but if you're struggling, reach out now. Don't wait. Get the support that you need. Keep in touch with others. And, um, you know, remember that we're all in this together. There you go, you guys. Thank you, doctor. That is, that's fantastic. Thank you, Olivia. She hit the nail on the head. Don't let it get the best of you. We're all going to get through this. We're going to make it. We're all in this together. So everybody, I uh, appreciate you listening. Doctor, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time from the other side of the world uh, 
to enlighten us uh, here in the U.S. and elsewhere. Uh, this is a pandemic, everybody. And uh, as uh, Dr. Fisher said, we are all in this together because it is one world, one earth. We are one species. We are more alike than we are different. And through this, when it comes to any sort of medical issue, any sort of health issue, it's science. And so during this pandemic, science rules. Our guest today has been a Dr. Olivia Fisher, who's a mental health expert, talking about the mental health issues that are going to face us in the pandemic. Thank you very much. Now, if you like science rules, and of course I hope you do, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out. It helps other people learn about the show so that we can share our knowledge and help ourselves get through all this stuff. So thank you. Now, Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is produced by Claire Rawlinson, Stephanie Kariuki, and Corey S. Powell. Our editor today is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Peter Clowney is our executive producer. Special thanks again to Casey Halford. Chris Bannon is the chief content officer here at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, science rules. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.